Fail Films 101 is not an actual college course and cannot be taken for college credit. It is not affiliated with any university, community college, junior college, vocational training program, or for-profit corporation masquerading as a school of any kind. Professor Jay has no formal training as an educator and, in fact, went to a Missouri State College for about two semesters, ran out of money, and dropped out as a result. And now that I've covered my own ass legally, let's get on with Fail Films 101. Hey y'all, it's Professor Jay. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, this episode may have a little bit of some uh, lower sound quality. I did the episode with my friend slash editor Sarah and I made the mistake of not putting on headphones because I could not find any. So that resulted in a bit of echoiness on Sarah's part of the audio that I have tried to take care of, but we all know my history with um, audio editing things. So the episode is presented as best as I can possibly uh, do with that. So I wanted to say I'm sorry about that, and also that I'm sorry that it took so long to get a new episode out. Things at work are a little chaotic, fun, but chaotic, and I've been pretty darn busy with that. So without further ado, here is the Fail Films 101 Best Bad Movies of the Decade. Hello class and welcome to Fail Films 101, a pod class about the shittiest movies humankind has to offer and why we love them. I'm your instructor, Professor Jay, and class is in session. So I want to start off with yet another apology. I know it's been a hot minute since we put out an episode. Long story short, you guessed it, computer issues. My wife and I are hoping to get a new computer soon, but in the meantime, I'm stuck with this one. (laughs) The good news is, My friend Sarah and I, you all remember Sarah from previous episodes and also our bomb-ass editor. (laughs) Hello again. Yeah. Sarah's a bro, and she found this recording website for us, so we're giving that a try while we talk. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully this will be better for us. But we are going to be discussing the best bad movies of the 2010s before we jump back into our syllabus. And she has compiled a list, which I do not know what is on this list. So all of my reactions will be, you know, real time. Y'all hearing me. How do I word this, Sarah? How do I make Uh, words? We're going to hash it out. We're going to surprise each other with what we picked. Yes. For Sherzies. All right. So, what did you have for the number 10 best bad movie of the decade? So, um, first of all, I wanted to have a disclaimer that it was kind of hard to compile this list because so many bad movies were made between the 80s and the early 2000s. So, it was kind of a reach. But at number 10... I know this is going to be controversial to some people. I put Spring Breakers by Harmony Corinne. See, I have actually not seen Spring Spring Breakers. What is that one about? Besides, obviously, like, Spring Break, I assume, is the main plot, but... 
Yes, so I believe it is four women who go on a spring break trip, and it was supposed to be a satire on, like, party culture and the um, dark scenarios that you can get yourself into and, like, the seedy crowd that you can encounter. It's got, um, I think, Vanessa Hudgens and a couple recognizable names. So, basically, they tried to do Project X and failed. <laughs> like, this is one of those where a lot of people took it seriously as a satire and were like, wow, this dude really made me think. And I was just like, the first half of the movie is like a music video. And then the second half of the movie is unnecessary weirdness and just things that weren't supposed to be funny that completely cracked me up. <laughs> That's magical. I'm definitely going to have to watch this movie. Yes. It's a whole time. I can only imagine. I'm sure you, you probably have another controversial one on there as well, if I'm not mistaken. But... Yes. <laughs> if you, it I think... seems like most people like this movie. Genuinely like it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was having conversations with my friends about what constitutes a bad movie. And this was the prime example where I said the director had a specific vision and an intention that they wanted to fulfill, and it just completely missed the mark, and it made it hilarious as a result. That's a pretty good definition of a bad movie, in all honesty. That's exactly how we got, you know, The Room and Troll 2. Right, that's what I was going to say. Birdemic. The Room is the prime example because he wanted it to be this very serious drama about this love triangle and friends in the real world. And with the reception it got, he had to backpedal and be like, oh, no, I meant for it to be a dark comedy the whole time. Like, no, you didn't, dude. No, you did not, 100%. (laughs) I'm still blown away that he genuinely thought he could get away with saying, oh, yeah, this was my intention all along. Like, no... We know better. Everybody knows. Everybody knows, Tommy. But I think for my number 10, I actually put down, and you might remember this movie because it was a big uh, blockbuster flop, but uh, Valentine's Day. Oh, okay. I think I saw, did I see that one? I don't know if I saw that one or New Year's Day, but it's like a similar premise, right? It is the exact, it is the exact same premise. Just using a different holiday. Oh, man. And New Year's Day is actually also on my list. Oh, shit. (laughs) For all of the same reasons, they tried way too hard to do Love Actually, but American and for a different holiday. Yeah. I think Valentine's Day was the one that I saw. It was a... Did I tell you about my college having date options? No, you did not. So they had this thing that they said was for charity Mm -hmm. where guys would dress up and auction themselves off for a date in the cafeteria and all these girls would bid on them. And so this guy I had a crush on was up for the auction and so I bid on him. And so it turned into a double date with me, him, my resident advisor, and some other guy and we saw Valentine's Day. That sounds 
that sounds like something. Uh, I was very pathetic <laughs> You were not pathetic in college. Uh, well, you just went yeah, I to... guess you were around a no. Yeah, you just went to a pathetic college. That's, that's fair. Just from, you know, what I have seen of this particular university that you attended. Uh, that place. It was something else. But at least all the weirdos found each other. That was the one good thing. That's what's important. That is 100% <laughs> what's important. But I actually saw this movie with, I think, somebody I was dating at the time. I honestly don't remember. But I do remember sitting there the entire time and thinking, this isn't so bad. I don't see what all the critics are saying about the, like, I don't see why they're saying these things. And then I watched it again as not an eight, not an 18-year-old. <laughs> I watched it again as, you know, a real adult. And I was just like, they tried way too hard to be Love Actually. Like, this is literally the exact same premise as Love Actually, just terrible and with a much worse holiday than christmas (laughs) right i do not have a lot of positive thoughts about valentine's day the movie or the holiday so that doesn't help really it does not all right so number nine all right i don't know if you've seen this one yet but i put uh best friends slash fiends by greg sestero I have not seen it, but I really, really, really want to because of Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau. It's, uh, I I contemplated breaking it into two parts because that's how it was released, but I was just like, I can't, I have to group it as one, even though the first one is, I guess you could say better. (laughs) The first one is more of an entertaining bad movie, and it feels like a, a really bad crime thriller. But then the second one has, like, the love interest, and she's not a good actress, bless her heart. And it just, it was not as good of a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, that's completely understandable. But I mean... The main perk was seeing a role that was written for Tommy Wiseau and him trying so hard to be a great little villain. But he's Tommy Wiseau. I do really want to see Tommy Wiseau trying to be a villain because we've obviously seen him trying to be a Gary Stu. Uh, A lovable good guy who provides for his fiance and never does anything wrong ever. Yes, exactly. Like the ultimate Gary Stew, if you really think about it. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, I'm thinking that the room is really just. You know how in Bob's Burgers, Tina writes friend fiction? No, I have not watched Bob's Burgers. I've been told I need to. Yes, you do, because it's fantastic. But Tina, she says, I write fr- fan fiction about my friends. I call it friend fiction. And oh. a lot of it is erotic. But I'm pretty sure that's what Tommy Wiseau was doing when he wrote The Room. Ah, makes sense. But The Room was not the 2010s. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. That's why Best Friends is in here. I was like, I need just a taste. 
We need some Tommy Wiseau in here. Yes. Let's see. I think my number nine, I'm trying to like, I, I had a difficult time ranking them is the oh, thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to like do my best to rank them as I go. Oh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's a little difficult, but I think I'm going to go with The Last Airbender. Oh, I need to see that. It's legendary for its badness. It truly is. That was also 2010. 2010 was very much a, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. (laughs) So true. When it comes to movie years, because we had the last airbender, but we also had like 20 other, 20 like amazing movies. Mm -hmm. Inception. Yeah, Inception was fucking gold. You hate to see, with everybody that love The Last Airbender series, mm-hmm. So everyone was so excited for that movie, and then it just did not deliver. Yeah, it did not do the series justice in any way, shape, or form. And I will admit, I watched The Last Airbender movie before I watched the cartoon. Oh no. And I think that gave me an, a different perspective Because, like, the movie is entertaining on its own as a bad movie. Mm -hmm. If you just completely ignore the source material or anything that you know and love about the source material, it could just be an enjoyable bad movie. Right. But then when I went and watched the cartoon, I was amazed at how good the cartoon was and pissed off at M. Night Shyamalan. Right. Like, I couldn't watch the cartoon without thinking, how could M. Night Shyamalan fuck this up so badly? Exactly. So now I can't watch the Last Airbender movie without wanting to punch something. But that first time I saw it, it was an entertaining bad movie. Right. So that's that's where I stand on that one. Mm-hmm. So number eight. Yes. So I felt conflicted putting two by the same person but again the 2010 struggle so my number eight is an easter bunny puppy oh my god (laughs) i had to because a the unnecessary scheme where this gal pretends that she has a twin because she was so embarrassed (laughs) yes and b the ridiculously long egg painting montage that just goes on forever and seeps into your brain. It is necessary to the plot, obviously. <laughs> Sometime we have to watch it and start a timer and see just how long that goddamn montage is. We really do. Do you hear my cats? Yes. They have a, okay? they have a lot of opinions on an Easter bunny puppy. I'm sure. As I think we all do. But I do think I have to agree with you with that being on the number eight spot. Because it was it was certainly more entertaining than the last airbender. Yes. But I would I would say that it is not quite as like hilariously bad as some other David Decato films that I also have on this list. Exactly. I think, honestly, this list probably has a few... I think there's a few David Decato films on here, partially because, like you said, the 2010s struggle. 
but also his movies are just gold and I want to do a whole unit on him. Yes, he is incredible. I would love to just chat with this guy. Just pick his brain. Pick his gay little brain. Oh, bless his heart. Right. I really need to watch some of his 1313 movies because I've only seen his like Mary Crawford films. Right. Which I don't know if our listeners have like heard our explanation of that, but I think when we first did a, a David Decato movie, I don't remember which one we did first, A Talking Cat or An Easter Bunny Puppy, but he has two types of films, softcore <laughs> gay porn and family-friendly animal-based movies. He uses his Which real have name. a whole lot of gay tension. <laughs> yeah. There is a whole lot of gay tension in those movies, in his family-friendly movies. But he uses his real name, David Decato, for his softcore gay porn. And he uses an alias, Mary Crawford, for his family-friendly movies. But we all know, dude. We all know it's you. Literally everybody knows. There's no point in hiding. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely pointless. <laughs> but I do completely agree with an Easter Bunny puppy being number eight. That's a good yes. spot for it, and that movie absolutely one hundred percent belongs in this in this lineup. Oh, for sure. Okay, so number seven, one more representation of our boy Tommy. Oh boy, gotta be Samurai Cop two. I still have not seen Samurai Cop two either. Oh, man. He steals the show, in my opinion. <laughs> he steals the show with everything he does. Right. Like, it's impossible not to with that hair and that accent and that very unique personality and perspective on life. Oh, for sure. But uh, it's been a while since I've watched this, but I have watched, like, commentary videos that kind of refresh my brain. Mm-hmm. So basically, besides the absolute gem of him being a villain again, mm-hmm. I don't think he's the main villain, but he's up there. He's he just has, he's just there. He has his time to shine. They let him destroy a room. They give him a sword at some point. They're just like fucking go to town. You're Tommy Wiseau. But uh, just as a whole, it has a really weird flow, I guess, and some absolutely atrocious special effects like this lady um i guess gets stabbed and she starts bleeding and it just looks like this weird shimmery like maroon ribbon of blood coming out of her (coughs) least realistic thing you'll ever see that sounds both ridiculous and fantastic yes so i definitely need to watch this again soon just watch both of them in a row Oh, 100%. And Samurai Cop was like 2012, right? Or Samurai Cop 2? Uh, yes. Let me look it up. It was like early 2010s. Which seems to be when the majority of these movies came out. was like 2010 through 2013. Oh, it was 2015. Oh. Hmm. That's surprising. Right. But yeah, gotta see it. Gotta love it. It does sound right up my alley. Let's see. Sorry, I'm just doing a quick research thing real quick. Because I'm pretty sure this movie was in the 2010s, but I want to make 100% sure. 
before I list it off on my list. Gotta be official. Yes. God damn it. Oh no! <laughs> Welp. I'm telling you, this is tough. This was very tough. No, the movie that I was thinking about came out in 2005, apparently. Oh, that's what I'm telling you. The early 2000s were brimming. Yeah. The early 2000s were a goldmine of bad movies. So I'm obviously going to have to sub this movie out with something kind of similar. So I was thinking Shark Boy and Lava Girl, but that came out in 2005. So to replace oh, yeah. it, Spy Kids 4D. <laughs> All the okay. time in the world. Oh, man. I think I've only ever seen bits and pieces of those movies, not like a full one, but I've heard the legend. The first three are delightful. Mm-hmm. And Spy Kids 4D kind of is too, in a way, but but like Spy Kids 4D is more of a spin-off than a sequel. Like it doesn't follow the original Spy Kids, different villains, all that fun stuff. Basically the only similarity is like it's the same spy agency or whatever it's been a hot fucking minute since i've seen this movie it came out in 2011 mm. and i'm pretty sure i was slightly intoxicated when i saw it as you do Mm-hmm. i don't think i could get through that movie without an alcohol or two <laughs> i'd imagine so that was number seven right i'm bad at counting yes okay so we're on number six yes so you know i had to do it to him mm-hmm I thought this movie was older, but thank God it wasn't. Food Fight. Yep, Food Fight was 2012. Oh, my dear Lord. The reason why you think it came out earlier was it was supposed to come out in 2003. Right. And because of that, all of the actors in that movie were people who were big in 2003, but not so much in 2012. God bless Hilary Duff. Right. (laughs) Homegirl's coming back, though, with that Lizzie McGuire reboot. I'm so excited. I'm hyped. But Food Fight did not deserve Hilary Duff. No. I I always tell the story. This is the movie that was so bad that my husband laid down and forced himself to go to sleep so he would not finish watching it. I can 100% see that because when my wife and I were planning our wedding, she made a bet that I couldn't stay off of social media for 24 hours. Mm, That's a tough one. I did it, though, and I told her that if I won, she had to watch Food Fight with me. I I was so driven and determined to make her watch Food Fight. I mean, that's a good motivator. Mm hmm. And then I did it. And she couldn't make it through the movie. She was like, I'm sorry. I tried. I'm going to throw myself into arranging these flowers now. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I won the bet, though. Mm-hmm. She was like, you did. But if you love me, you won't make me watch this anymore. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Man, oh, man. And she refuses to watch it anytime I bring it up ever again. One of these days, we're going to get the Bad Movie Club to watch this movie. It's my yes. mission. And we will make sure that our spouses are there when it happens so they are forced and, to see the end. And fully awake. Yes. But yeah, like, 
I was going to say I was also forced to watch part of Sausage Party. Oh, no. Which is also bad. But this one trumps that one because some people actually like Sausage Party as, like, I guess a stoner comedy, you would say. Like, just a purposely edgy teen jokes sort of movie. So, like the family guy of bad movies. But Food Fight... I don't know if anybody intentionally watches it besides the entertainment of it being bad. Yeah, I can't think of a single person who watches Food Fight expecting it to be good. Right. What have you got? For number seven? Six. Or six, sorry. I was like, we already did seven, right. Jack and Jill. Oh, I've heard how rough that one is. It's rough. Like... I'm sh- you edited that ep- the episode that John and I did with Jack and Jill, right? I don't think so. I think I did his other episodes, but not that one. Oh yeah, Jack and Jill may have actually been before I had all the issues and was like, "Hey, who wants to be my editor? I can't I like, do this." Me? Yep. But Jack and Jill is a train wreck of a movie and it's one of those movies that like is so terrible that I kind of want to be offended by it right but at the same time it is very very it's entertaining in its own way it's like in my opinion this movie was like the beginning of the end for Adam Sandler Jack and Jill is what started his descent into garbage madness and I think that reason alone is why it belongs, like, on the best list. And also, I talked about this in my episode, too, but there is a genuinely funny m- moment in this movie where... So, I've discussed the I've discussed this moment in the Jack and Jill episode, but I'm bringing it up again to justify why it's on this list. All right. So, there's a scene where Adam Sandler sets up a an online dating profile for his sister also played by adam sandler right and as he is doing this obviously his sister does not know that he is doing this but as he's doing this his son walks in and says wow and adam sandler's like okay you're not gonna tell her about this right and then the kid like runs off with adam sandler's sister's parrot taped to his back because for some reason throughout this movie this child likes to tape things to himself uh what yeah it's a weird quirk that this kid has okay i mean i guess kids are fucking weird but still yeah especially this kid but yeah so obviously the the parrot it hears everything so adam sandler's like oh shit but we never hear the parrot mention this part thankfully the parrot is just there to add a layer of suspense, I guess. Susp- but <laughs> a suspenseful parrot. The most suspenseful parrot. <laughs> That's the weirdest sentence. That sh- that could be a band name, the suspenseful parrots. Yes. Take note. Yes. If I ever start another band, do it, dude. So, I didn't even get to the funny part of this moment in the movie yet. That was just the background. There's more. 
yeah so all of a sudden jill's getting all these you know message requests for dates and stuff and she gets excited and she's like oh what am i gonna wear and then she runs off and goes with adam sandler's wife to pick out an outfit and then adam sandler looks at his son and says well what is she gonna wear and the son in the most deadpan but creepy voice looks at him looks him dead in the eyes and says what are you going to wear daddy in hell what yes what the fuck it's ridiculous and i'm going to send you a clip of that so that you can enjoy it it would have been funny enough with just what are you gonna wear daddy but then the in hell is what took it over the top yep oh my gosh it's absolutely necessary it's the nice little cherry on top it is the only like unironically funny thing in this movie well see clearly now i have to wa- force my guy to watch some adam sandler movies with me we should be talking about the number five pick we should you're right about that <laughs> so as we have briefly mentioned earlier on this podcast um my number five pick is Birdemic. Fuck yes. Because fucking coat hangers. <laughs> There's nothing better than just waving coat hangers at the world's worst CGI birds. Also, just them trying so hard to have some sort of environmental message and being so heavy-handed. Like, do you remember that scene where a guy just fucking pops out of the woods and starts educating this little found family. Yes. Just, like, gives them a whole message about, like, the ecosystem and, like, birds dying and... Yes. We must protect our planet. Yes. So, whenever we watch that, um, occasionally I've been known to be funny. It doesn't happen often. Bullshit, but okay. (laughs) Whenever this guy popped out, I was like, what is he, a free-range art teacher? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just lost it. So that was one of my proudest moments, I would say. That's fantastic. (laughs) So yeah, just the worst special effects, the worst sex scenes, and the worst, I mean, well-meaning but very heavy-handed message about the climate. I also love how it doesn't even get to the actual birdemic until about, like, a third of the way into the movie. Before that, we just watch this relationship slowly and boringly develop. Right, with the worst audio editing. (laughs) Yeah. I will still never forget the first spoken line of audio in this movie. Like... Hold on, I'm going to see if I can find a video of it. Because, you know, it is a shining example of the quality of this movie. Okay, here it is. But Okay, so he goes into a diner, and this woman behind the counter is supposed to be saying hi to him. But it really just sounds more like... A pterodactyl screeching. Oh my gosh. Yep, there it is. Yep, so bad. It just assaults your ears. Yep. It sounds like the world's 
worst bird, which I guess is <laughs> I guess is foreshadowing. I don't fucking know. Of course, watch the director come back later and be like, that was intentional. <laughs> it was foreshadowing. <laughs> Good grief. And then, of course, there's that fucking song. Just hanging out, hanging out with my family, having ourselves a party, or however it goes. Yeah, it's like feeling fine. Mm-hmm, but it's, like, weirdly incestuous. Yeah. That movie was a Whoa. lot. What you got for number five? I was I wholeheartedly agree with that being number five. Yes. It like, is. I feel like at this point, it has kind of ascended to the likes of The Room and Troll 2. It's oh, one wh- of those like easy go-tos when you recommend a bad movie. 100%. That's why I put it in my entry-level classics unit. It all adds up. Yes. That and like... I think it's actually the most recent movie that was in the entry-level classics, because I think it was the only one from this decade. That makes sense. Because I had The Ro- the Room, Troll 2, Snakes on a Plane, Birdemic, and what year did Sharknado come out? Uh, Mid-2000s, maybe? Let's see. It was the year that Cory Monteith died. I remember that. Oh, it was 2013. Oh. Well, there's still time if you want to slide it on your list. <laughs> Let's make it number four. Because <laughs> let's uh, let's be real. It belongs in the top of this list. I still need to see that. It's buck fucking wild. I can only imagine. Dakota looks like he has input. Dakota, what do you have to say about Sharknado? You going to say something? I thought there was going to be, like, an actual room there. What do you have to say, Dakota? <laughs> you're, you're a big boy? <laughs> he says, yes, I am. But what do, you, what do you have to say about Sharknado? Apparently he has nothing to say about Sharknado. He just walked away. He was just flabbergasted. Yeah, he's flabbergasted at what a ridiculous concept Sharknado was. How many have they made by now? That's a great question. Let's see. I want to guess like four. As of right now, there are six Sharknados. Holy heck. That's a lot of sharks. They were rumored to do a Sharknado 7. Oh, he wants one. (laughs) Yeah, he wants a Sharknado 7, apparently. (laughs) But the most, the la- the sixth Sharknado movie came out in 2018, and it was called The Last Sharknado. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, he's got to protest that. Feel like mm-hmm. it can't be the last one. There's no way. You know what I'm waiting for? What? Tommy Wiseau's shark movie. Oh my god, I forgot he's doing that. Wasn't it literally, it was- literally just called Big Shark? I think so. It was supposed to come out, I think, September of last year, like premiere at some sort of festival, but it got delayed by editing or something. So looking for sometime this year. I can't fucking wait. Same. Neither can Dakota. (laughs) You have anything else to say about Sharknado before I hop in on my number four? 
there's not really a whole lot that I can say that I that I didn't say in my episode of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's for it's for sure a ridiculous movie. It is genuinely entertaining. It's one of those movies that didn't take itself too seriously, and that just made it all the more fun to watch. It had a very similar vibe to Snakes on a Plane. Ah. Anyway, your number four. All right. My number four, which I would imagine is, I guess, in the upper echelon of your list, um, The Bye Bye Man. Oh, absolutely. Because, my God, I can still just remember going to the theater with so much excitement and getting exactly what I anticipated. That was a fantastically entertaining movie. I mean, you can't walk into a movie titled The Bye-Bye Man and genuinely expect, like, a horror classic. Yeah, like, that should be rule number one. Don't name your big bad The Bye-Bye Man. Because then when the characters have to say it under their breath with a tone of fear, it it's not realistic. Not in any way, shape, or form. But since I have not covered the Bye Bye Man yet on the podcast, I think we should probably give the listeners a brief rundown of it. So, isn't the premise like, once you know his name, you're infected with it, and you can't stop thinking about him, and then it summons him? Yeah. Okay. Which is an accurate summary of your life after watching this movie, too, in general. <laughs> And I mean, when you just describe that by itself, it could be like, okay, that sounds kind of creepy, but absolutely horrible name, can't take it seriously. And also, they showed him way too early in the movie. You've got to have a big reveal. You can't just have him sitting in a fucking library. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That was fucking insane. Didn't he have like some sort of flesh monsters that he summoned or something that weren't necessary something like that he had some kind of weird he had some kind of weird creepy minion that really did not belong oh it was like a dog oh yeah yeah oh god why and his fingers yeah his long long touching fingers (laughs) Wait a minute. The internet is telling me there's supposed to be a second one, but I'm not seeing anything about it. Uh, is please, there? Please give me a second one. Please. I need a sequel. Okay, I'm seeing an official trailer, and I'm seeing that it was supposed to come out last year. Oh, Lord, that was loud. But I don't know. This seems like a hot rumor. I'll know it when I see it. I need a Bye Bye Man too. I need him to be boyfriends with the Babadook. Obviously. It's a requirement. It'll be... Okay, so we need not only a Bye Bye Man sequel, mm-hmm. but we need like a Freddy vs. Jason style Babadook Bye Bye Man crossover. Where they fight yes. for the first 15 minutes, and then they become boyfriends. Yes! It's like the perfect good movie and bad movie meet. Yes. 100%. Yeah. 
the Babadook is a gay icon. The Bye Bye Man is a bi icon. Yes. A bi-con, if you will. <laughs> but the Bye Bye Man was actually my number three. Yes! It's just... Uh, it's inexplicable. I cannot explain how much I love this movie and probably need to own it. Oh, 100%. We should do an episode on the Bye Bye Man that you guessed on. We can do that... We can make that our in be- our like in between movie for in between my blatant ripoffs unit and whatever's next. Oh my gosh, we can get the bad movie club together and make them watch it. And- yes, oh, I love yes, one hundred percent. Because this movie was kind of the predecessor to Bad Movie Club. It was. That was like our first little field trip. Yeah, even though it was just us, that was kind of that was kind of like the little seed that planted Bad Movie Club. Yes, and like the two times that we watched bad movies at my old apartment. Yes. Or And watching The Neighbors. Oh my gosh, we need to watch that again. Yes. That, mo- that, that, that show was ridiculous. <laughs> and I need a season two. Yes, where's season two? He said it's coming. That's a great question. But for those who don't know... The Neighbors was a sitcom by Tommy Wiseau. None other. It was ridiculous. He played multiple characters, one of which had a blonde wig. Yep. He doesn't know how stoners work. No, he does not. That this guy was going to be super pissed off all the time and have a giant shotgun. He has literally never met a stoner in his life. Well, he probably has, but he didn't know that he did. I mean, yeah, true. <laughs> He's probably never met, like, an open stoner in his life. Right. Because most of the people who I know smoke a crap ton of weed, are very not violent, are generally very chill. They're just like, thoughtful and hungry. Yeah. Like, 100%. Right. So if that was your number three, what's your, what's your number three? A talking cat. Fuck yes. <laughs> Cause that was my number two. Oh, we're just going perfectly in sequence here. We really are. So the reason I ranked this higher than an Easter Bunny puppy is because Easter Bunny puppy, while here in Madeline's own right. A talking cat is one that I have to want to go back and watch and point out every single little thing that I see. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter how many times I've seen it, I have to point out the laser pointer with the cat. <laughs> Absolutely. And we, we talked about this in the A Talking Cat episode, but it is just such a fun movie, regardless of whether it's good or bad. Yes. you ha- It's like a movie that you have to watch with friends. And honestly, even watching it alone, it's still pretty entertaining. But just there's nothing that's a downer about this movie. Like, even when the cat is supposedly dying, (laughs) it's literally just they draped a bandage over a perfectly healthy cat and he's just laying on the bed chilling. Yes. Like, you think you're up for this heartbreaking scene where everybody gathers around in his final moments, and it's just a grumpy cat with a big bandage. Yep. 
and that is actually my uh, banner image on my on the Fail Films Twitter, and I think the Facebook well, but definitely on the Twitter page. So if you look at Fail Films 101 on Twitter, you will see a picture of that moment. What's the cat's name? Duffy. Duffy. Oh. My oh. name's Duffy. I'm a talking cat. <laughs> Which he says at almost the exact end of the movie, and that's when you think the movie is going to end. But then it doesn't. Then we see a little montage of how everyone's doing. Mm-hmm. But still, I just think it's funny that he says that. And you think that's the end of the movie. Spoiler, it's not. Yeah, it's like the perfectly uplifting movie. If you're in a bad mood, just watch it. It'll bring a smile to your face. If you're of drinking age and you're feeling a drinking game, perfect for drinking games. 100%. It's just the all-scenario movie. Yes. It is genuinely one of the most entertaining movies, not only of the 2010s, but of all time, in my personal opinion. Ooh, hot takes. Very hot takes. But it's, it's just... It's impossible to be down when you're watching that movie. I'm honestly probably going to watch it after we're done recording this. <laughs> yes. Because it's been a little you bit. Have animals around. Yeah, exactly. I have enough animals around. I mentioned this to Sarah before we recorded, but right now my aunt, my, my wife and I are watching her aunt's three dogs, one of which is a purebred husky. Which is part of why Dakota is so talkative, because he always gets more talkative around other husky mixes and purebred huskies. It's like he knows. Yeah, house full of fun right now. Mm-hmm. House full of fun. House full of fur. <laughs> it's the perfect time to watch a talking cat. Oh, for sure. So what was your number two? So I thought long and hard about this. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I recently read... Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Yes. So, originally, I had cats at number one. Mm -hmm. But I had to move it down to number two. Only because T.S. Eliot started all this shit. He's the one that came up with the weird-ass names. He's the one that put the cockroaches in the Gumby Cat's house. He is to blame... (laughs) T.S. Eliot is eternal. <laughs> yes. You know he did so much cocaine before writing Old Possum's Book of Cat of Practical Cats. I I don't see how he couldn't have. It was a trip. Mm-hmm. But Cats so, uh, was actually at my number one, but I also have not read Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Yes, it's, but, it's responsible. Mm-hmm. But now that, like, now that... It's getting close to coming out on DVD. I just really want to have a screening of Cats with the Bad Movie Club. I need it. Mm Mm-hmm. There will need to be a lot of alcohol. Oh. There will need to be so much alcohol because I I feel like this movie needs to be enjoyed while drunk. Mm Mm-hmm. It might make us understand it better. Maybe. But uh, regardless of the source material being so weird... Mm-hmm. This adaptation is just a league of its own. You would want. Mm-hmm. 
Like, we've got Taylor Swift for some reason. We've got Jason Derulo for some reason. We've got horrible CGI. The worst. We've got one thing that T.S. Eliot didn't write, which was the unzipping of the cat skin to see the, the cat underneath wearing a dress. And I think that was unique to the movie as well. Right. I think, like, in the play... They may have done something similar, but not as creepy. I wouldn't know. I've never seen the play. Mm-hmm. But the way that, if it was in the play, it did not translate to the big screen very well. Yeah, I feel like over time, this idea, I guess you would say, has just morphed and transformed. And God bless people who love the musical. I can see that there's an appeal there. But the movie just expanded on that even more with all the sexual tension yet, so much what was it a pg rating yep something like that yeah it was rated pg and it absolutely 100 percent should not have been don't take your kids to see cats it's not a fun family movie and i think we brought this up when we recorded the cats episode but there was like a, a father of a nearly five-year-old child and there's a scene where Rebel Wilson essentially appears to be masturbating. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the father picked up his child and bolted out of the theater. Like, he could not get out of there fast enough. Right. That should be a very good indication of how child-friendly this movie is. It's disturbing. It's sexually charged. You expect them to just hop into an orgy at any moment. And they basically do kind of hop into an orgy, just with no actual physical sex. It's like a weird spiritual orgy. Oh, yeah, like the dancing. Mm-hmm. It's very symbolic. Yeah, those cats are 100% fucking. <laughs> All of them, with each other. At All the time. Moment. Constantly. But yeah, my God. I, just like the Bye Bye Man, I need this on DVD. I mm-hmm. need to watch it many more times. Yes. And just be astounded by every moment. Yes. Once is not enough for either Cats or the Bye Bye Man. Like, thank you whoever had the idea of turning it into a movie. It was not necessary. It was not good. But I loved it. Yes. Then again, Cats the Play wasn't exactly necessary either. Yeah, but, but I mean... But Theater seeing the people. snippets, yeah, seeing the snippets of the play that I have seen, I can see why why there's an appeal to the play. Like the costume design is beautiful. Yes. The dancing is beautiful. Right. It just did not translate well to film, and it turned into its own little beautiful disaster on film. <laughs> Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Beautiful disaster. Whatever, however the song goes. <laughs> But anyway, what was your number one? Okay. This is my other controversial pick. Mm-hmm. I've already had many debates about this. It's Mandy, <laughs> isn't it? Here. Yes, it's Mandy! <laughs> Dakota has thoughts. Oh, I bet he does. Dakota, what are your thoughts on Mandy? Fascinating. He looked at me like he was going to say something and then he kind of grumbled and turned away. He knows I'm right. <laughs> mm-hmm. He doesn't want to admit it. There, there it go. is. Let it out, buddy. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, so what to say about this movie? <laughs> oh my gosh. He's ridiculous. But Mandy is a lot to process. I can see why there are people who think it's good. Yes. Visually, so- this movie is stunning. Oh, absolutely. It's a very beautifully shot and recorded movie. And that was the core of my debate about what makes a bad movie. Mm-hmm. One of the other arguments I had was it can have good elements, which is what makes it entertaining. Mm-hmm. And so I used the example of House because I love that it was shot in a commercial style and that was hilarious and just it always took you by surprise. But that doesn't mean it's a good movie. Yes. House is very much like a prime example of just because you thought it was a good idea doesn't mean it was. Yes. But like, cont- your your beautiful cinematography does not make up for this weird weak plot. Yes. But uh same thing with Mandy. Totally beautiful, just gorgeous to look at. The color saturation, the framing of the shots, they did that right, and that's fine. But this is Nicolas Cage at his Nicolas Cageiest, first of all. Amen. And um, some demon bikers that are summoned by a special horn and make you drink this weird jar of liquid. And a strange sex cult where the guy, was he in his own band or was he just playing a random record that he liked? I think he was just I think he was just playing a random record that he liked. Think is the keyword. Point is, Nicolas Cage insisting on being the good guy because I guess he didn't want to have full frontal nudity as the bad guy. <laughs> Which he